Autonomous workers, are they the key to your business success in a post-COVID world? Are they different from remote workers? Do they help or hurt your bottom line? When we come back, this and more as we explore the concept of autonomous workers from a leadership perspective. This is Business Confidential Now with Hannah Hassel-Kelchner, helping you see business issues hiding in plain view that matter to your bottom line. Welcome to Business Confidential Now. I'm your host, Hannah Hassel-Kelchner. After years of toiling at big law firms where attorneys were constantly overworked in tight, rigid office environments, today's guest, Hannah Jantan, co-founded CGL LLP. She wanted to reimagine the legal workspace and give freedom, flexibility, and autonomy to her staff. So what she created is a fully distributed transactional law firm that provides clients big law quality legal services at competitive rates while at the same time delivering a great work-life balance for attorneys and staff. Now, having been a practicing lawyer myself for over 30 years, I know firsthand what those uptight legal cultures are like. And so it's really refreshing to hear what autonomous workers are all about. And I'm eager to learn more about how CGL's experience with that management philosophy is transferable to other businesses and professions. So without further ado, welcome to Business Confidential Now, Hannah. Hi, thank you so much, Hannah. Um, it's, it's great to be here today. I look forward to our conversation. Me too. Well, congratulations on embracing this concept of autonomous workers. I'm sure some of our listeners are wondering how autonomous workers are different from remote workers or whether it's just a fancy phrase for the same thing. Is there a meaningful distinction? What, in your view, is an autonomous worker? Yeah, so one piece to touch on is the word you used, remote. So remote Um, A remote worker often indicates that they're remote away from a headquarters. And in CGL's case, we're actually fully distributed, which means we have no offices anywhere. So there is nowhere for our workers to be remote from. Um, Everyone is uh, autonomous in the sense of kind of who they are and uh, how they work. So that's always just a distinction that we like to clarify there. There's also a bit of a... um, I guess there's a conception in the world that remote workers sometimes are kind of like a second-class citizen that's been shifting quite rapidly, I think, with COVID and a lot of the remote work um, that's become, you know, much more commonplace over the past year. But for us, an autonomous worker is a very proactive, independent worker. There's someone that's very aligned on our model and how we get work done. So at CGL, everything is about the value that's contributed. Um, and that's where autonomous workers kind of fall into our definition. That's interesting. Now, some people might think that autonomous workers means that an employee can do whatever they want whenever they want. Now, is that the case? How do you set boundaries? Yeah, I mean, that's always something, you know, I guess the big piece here is the culture that you're running. And we trust our workers deeply. Um, our team, we're, we're not an adult daycare center, so we're not about babysitting our employees. They have projects that they need to complete. We also don't have a lot of concern with controlling how they get things done. So we're very focused on the end result, the value. Um, 
whatever it is, the output of the project that we need done, there are specific requirements to what, you know, say the deliverable is, and it needs to be up to a certain standard. But to us, it's not important. If someone can do that in one hour from the beach on a boat versus eight hours in an office, it's not important to us how they get it done. Um, what's most important is the end result or the value that they produce. How do you recruit? I mean, when you're screening people and doing it, going through an interview process, not everybody can handle autonomy. I mean, do you hire people straight out of law school or what kind of experience do you look for? What are some, some key factors? Yeah, so right now we're primarily made up of very senior experienced attorneys. The piece you're touching on is a vision of mine. I hope one day that we can set ourselves up to be able to train every level of an attorney and bring on every level. Right now, we're really just set up to bring on senior experienced practitioners. And that's because those folks generally are able to run with projects or run with matters more autonomously. They don't necessarily need that infrastructure or support that is commonplace in a law firm, which is really tremendous training. I think that's starting to shift actually for us now. We're getting smarter with technology and communications. And although we're fully distributed, I mean, we're constantly in communication with the team. And so I think in the next little bit, we'll actually be able to start bringing on more junior attorneys. Um, but for right now, um, most of our team are very seasoned practitioners. So they can work totally on their own autonomously. They know what they would need to get done in, in order to bring a, a matter or a case to, to a resolution. So this is really like partner level, if I understand you. It is, but I, I want to ensure that, or just clarify that there is a lot of collaboration, you know, and kind of the work that we do. So we might have a commercial expert who's a seasoned commercial attorney who knows what needs to happen for a commercial project, but part of the commercial agreements have IP language and they need to talk to our IP attorney. So there's a lot of collaboration across the firm um, in terms of how the attorneys communicate. It's just not someone popping into somebody else's office. You know, um, we use the phone a lot, <laughs> you know, that we use a lot of tools. We use Zoom and we use Slack and we have a lot of tech devices that we use, but people tend to pick up the phone and call each other pretty regularly. So, um, there is that collaboration among different teams. But yes, in terms of kind of having the ability to handle a project or staff it even, if an attorney needs to staff different specialists on something, they need to have that visibility. That's what allows them to work a little bit more autonomously. You touched on something earlier about remote workers sometimes being viewed as second-class citizens, that if they're out of sight, out of mind from management or uh, an organization's leadership, that maybe they're just not doing everything they're supposed to. You know, they're, they're mm -hmm. watching soap operas in the afternoon. And, you know, uh, so my question to you is, for those listeners who maybe have that nagging doubt in the back of their mind, how do you establish accountability? We've been very lucky in the sense that our team, we take that autonomous, that autonomy very seriously. We also take the trust very seriously. And I think that we provide that benefit to our team and they return that. I think that there's an expectation that 
look, we give you the, the freedom to do what you need to get your job done. We're not micromanaging you. We're not following where you are all day or tracking your computer. But in return for that, we expect that you get the project done. You get the project done up to our standards. We have very strict quality control standards here at CGL. And a lot of that I think is maintained through the processes that we have. So it's nothing is a send it to the attorney and the attorney does the work and then it's delivered to the client. We have very strict kind of quality control processes that we um, have implemented to ensure that things are up to our standards. But we've really seen that when we've given that trust to our team, there's great reciprocity in that when we've treated folks as adults, um, they've responded very well in terms of, you know, returning high value projects on time for our clients. That's great to know. And it sounds like these processes and these quality control mechanisms that you've established really create the guardrails uh, that help promote accountability. Definitely. And I think, you know, we've spoken about this quite a bit in terms of the importance of processes. And that that has helped us tremendously in running this business and figuring things out. It's when you're, you aren't all in the office space, it's almost like you have to create step-by-step systems to ensure things are handled properly. And so we've really heavily relied, we're, I would say we're a very process-driven business. Um, and that's helped us in terms of managing expectations and managing our team and most importantly ensuring that client work is done to our kind of quality standards. Awesome. So do you feel that your autonomous workers are more engaged in their work? Definitely. I feel that it's been such a difference in terms of the engagement, the enthusiasm, the happiness of the attorneys, you know, my colleagues here comparing that to a lot of the experiences I had at my big law firm, that there weren't happy and wonderful people there. It's just in that environment, folks were very burnt out. Here, you know, we provide people with great latitude to build the work-life scenario that works for them. What's been most humbling for me in this experience is what works for one person, like learning that there's different things for different people. What works for one person may not work for someone else. Someone might appreciate and love a 60-hour work week. And that's where they feel most engaged and they're able to apply themselves most to clients. Some others, you know, may only need that five-hour work week. That's where they feel most engaged and tapped in. But because our team has that autonomy to decide what works best for them, I feel there's so much greater energy and enthusiasm and kind of engagement and attention to our clients' matters because folks aren't burnt out. We're not trying to not exploit, but bill our attorneys out at the maximum, maximum capacity. And that's not the type of firm that we're trying to be. And we really empower them to determine what that looks like for them. Um, And I think that that translates into greater engagement with the clients and definitely happier attorneys for sure. Well, it sounds like, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, you're allowing them to shape the work environment in a way that allows them to perform their best. Would that be fair? Exactly. Exactly. Okay. You know, I understand that the legal community is very special, (laughs) (laughs) especially big law and the demands that they make on on people. Great, great learning ground for learning the profession, the the practice of law that you don't get in law school, but also very unique uh, as compared to other professions and other types of businesses. 
So I'm wondering if we could explore how what you've achieved and learned about creating a, a firm with autonomous workers could be transferred to other professions or other businesses, for example. What advice would you give other business owners about exploring the possibility of engaging autonomous workers? First piece of advice would be that they'd have to really be passionate about wanting to do it. It's certainly not easy to figure out, and it's something that requires dedication and commitment. So first and foremost, just ensuring that they had the appetite for that and tackling that kind of problem and going into it. I could give some kind of clear or some kind of practical tips, I would say, and kind of the first one is on that. You've got to go all in. You've got to commit to providing a culture of autonomous workers. It's really important to set clear expectations with your team. I cannot emphasize that enough, communication and setting expectations. You know, um, yes, it's fine if you want to work from a coffee shop or the beach, but the deliverable needs to be you know, in this form and it's expected on the state or whatever it is that the client needs. So being very clear about expectations there. Other leaders, I'd say, really ensuring that you research and find out the technology and tools that fit your organization and will set your team up for success. So um, you can't just throw your workers out there and say, okay, be autonomous and I hope for the best. It requires a very engaged leader it requires a very thoughtful process. While we don't micromanage our team, I'm constantly checking in. How are you doing? Do you have the tools that you need to succeed? How can we be helping you? You know, it takes real commitment from the employer, I think, to focus on those folks and make sure that they have the tools that they need. As I mentioned before, really defining and having defining and communicating very clear processes about how things are handled, that helps reduce a lot of friction. It also helps manage expectations and be kind of clarify how things are run. So you don't have kind of things lost in the ether. The This one, and I kind of um, hinted to this one, but checking in with your people, uh, just because you're not all working in an office space doesn't mean you're not communicating regularly, understanding the best way to get in touch with your team. You know, I have some team members that we text regularly. I have others that we just have a formal weekly check-in call. Both work. It just depends on like what is the best for the project, what is the best for that type of the work that you're doing together and that team member. Um, and so just, you know, it requires flexibility as a leader to identify and kind of meet your people where they're at. And then this one is <laughs> the, the lawyer in me, but really taking HR seriously and ensuring you're compliant from an employment law perspective, especially if you've got employees across different states. There are plenty, whether, whether you're using a law firm that's helping you kind of manage that piece, there are PEOs and organizations that help businesses kind of manage this, but really taking seriously how you manage the fact that you have workers that might be moving around states or in different locations. Those are kind of some tips I'd say are things to advise others considering doing an autonomous uh, workplace. 
That's a great list. I especially like the last one because it probably <laughs> impacts, you know, the withholding on uh, the state taxes. And, and if, you go, if any of them are in different countries, that's a whole nother level of complexity. But I applaud your efforts in adopting this autonomous worker model and concept to create your firm. And I sense that there is a tremendous amount of planning that went into this before you even hired anybody else to participate in this business of yours. And I'm just wondering, what surprises came along the way? Either like, (laughs) oh, my God, we didn't think about this, or wow, that was a good one Mm. on on either side. I feel like every day as an entrepreneur is full of surprises. And each day, (laughs) there's something new that you didn't anticipate. I think, you know, that's, part of it. I, I like that part. Um, and that, uh, I guess, I don't know, stimulation. One of the things that's been surprising for me, and this is a little bit on the personal side, but when my co-founder and I started this firm, we were both mothers. I, we, I had a one, I had a, a one and a half year old and a one month old at the time, and she had a three year old. And so we're mothers of young children still trying to practice in a meaningful way while also managing, you know, young children, knowing that our children wouldn't be young forever and needing kind of that attention. And when we started this and coming up with this idea of autonomy and a supportive space, we had kind of the assumption that most of the attorneys that would come and join us would look like us, would be mothers of young children that maybe big law wasn't working out for them and they were wanted to be home with their kids or something like that. What one of the biggest learnings has been is actually the mothers um, of CGL, if you will, are our minority now. Uh, we, our team is made up of so many different humans with different stories and different reasons why an autonomous workplace is meaningful to them. And I mean, just each person's story that we learn fuels the fire, fuels the passion of why we're doing this. How do we make an impact on the lives of these people? And that was a big learning, I think, for us and also something that, you know, we've been educating the world about is it's not just mothers who don't want to work at big law firms because of this kind of stereotypical (laughs) reasoning. Um, There's many people. We have attorneys caring for aging parents. We have attorneys that were partners in big firms that just didn't want that lifestyle anymore. We have folks that are pursuing other passions and interests. I mean, it really, we have people with disabilities that weren't able to, you know, kind of, they were challenged in their previous workplaces. I mean, it's kind of each day I'm blown away by kind of the difference of the human beings that we have here. And it really validates, I think, what we're trying to do in that we've so long lived in a world that work was one thing and was kind of put in this box and life was another thing and it was put in this box and they didn't really merge and as we know life is not like life doesn't fit into this pretty box and so what we're trying to do with this autonomous workplace is really allow the world to merge a bit you know what what works for one of our workers this year might be very different for them next year because life is dynamic and it's constantly changing and so how do we create a workplace that adapts to that and supports humans as they go through life so that we can benefit from maintaining or retaining that talent and working with these people and they can still do work that they enjoy that kind of flows a bit more seamlessly with their life. Excellent. I love that fluidity 
the mutual respect. It just sounds like a really delightful culture where the key definitely is properly managing and finding the right talent. So very interesting about the the different assumptions that you had going into this and how they've been blown away. And hopefully that opens the eyes of some of our listeners who realize that, hmm, maybe there's a whole universe of untapped talent that they could benefit from and maybe even revisit how they view their work-life balance so that it's a win-win all around and the pie gets bigger. So thank you so much for sharing that. Any last-minute thoughts before we close here? Not really. You know, I mean, I think that you kind of hit the nail on the head there in terms of the passion and impact of CGL. I think that if we could change the narrative about how people view this ideal worker and what they look like. Um, We'd really open the door to one, employers having access to just a greater pool of talent and also people having the ability to work in careers that are fulfilling to them throughout their life and not having to decide between personal life and work. That's the vision. So something that's very near and dear to my heart. That's a great vision because too many people make the trade-off, they get burnt out, and worst of all, develop some serious health problems because of all the stress that they're under. So for our listeners, if you'd like to contact Hannah and learn more about her and her law firm, you can find that information in the show notes at businessconfidentialradio.com. And if you found today's program helpful, tell your friends, let them benefit from this concept of autonomous workers and leave a review on your podcast app or at lovethepodcast.com forward slash business confidential. You've been listening to Business Confidential now with Hannah Hassel-Kelcher, so have a great day and an even better tomorrow. Thank you.